0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Bridge Church, Melbourne.
1: Father God, we just thank you so much for the privilege it is to be in your house with your people, to be in your presence. And Lord God, we just come with expectant, hungry hearts today. As Lord, we have encountered you in our worship, I pray that we would encounter you through your word. I pray, God, that it would be... um, We will be open to receive. We will be open to hear. We thank you that your word is living and active. And we just pray, God, that you would do your work in us, we pray today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We invite you to take your seat. Pastor Corey is away this week in New Zealand. So he says to say hello to you all. He's preaching at a church in Auckland called Church Unlimited. I think it is. Um, so he's visiting there with Kai, and uh, they'll be back again next week. But they will be missing you this morning. Also, want to just uh, make a special mention. My dad's here. Um, so fantastic to have him along. Yeah, let's let's welcome him. He's a good man. He's just flown in from Perth this morning, uh, yesterday after a holiday. So my mum's still there, and he's come back. And he's here this morning and I, I just appreciate his support and encouragement so much. And I also just want to say to anybody here who is a guest, we're just I want to give you a warm welcome too. And just say that we're so glad that you came to visit us today at Bridge Church. And as I always say, our real prayer is that you would encounter God in this place. That you would encounter his presence. You would encounter his love for you. And uh, that you would just feel at home here. And know that you are welcome. And uh, know that we love We'd love to have you here. So um, as you may or may not know, if you were here last week, you would know we have begun a, a series called One Life. And I'm really excited about this series that we are doing all across our church, all across our campuses Um, in this season. It's a discipleship um, pathway series. We're talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And uh, One Life is really around um, the question, what are you doing with your one life? What is it that you're doing with this gift Um, This one life that you have been given, we really want to encourage people to be focusing in and thinking about this question and being deliberate and intentional in how you live out your life around this question and specifically focused around our relationship with God. So today I'm going to be sharing about our one devotion, which is about our relationship with God, Uh, our relationship with the church. That'll be coming up in talking about our ministry and our relationship with the world And and as we are disciples, as we are followers of Jesus, we are called to also go and make disciples. And uh, we're encouraging everybody to have at least that one person that you would be intentionally discipling and uh, praying for. So essentially, this One Life series is about defining what it means, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And to walk this out for the rest of our lives. We want to be a church that uh, are an army of disciples. We want to be a church who are serious about following Jesus. And so we have um, prayerfully and intentionally come up with this series to hopefully help you and equip you in this way. So we are doing this series this year, but there will be more to come next year and in our new year. So um, I'm just really excited about what God's got in store for us through this, for our church, for his church. He's given us this design and we, we, um, we're just so excited about what he's going to do. So as I said this week, I'm sharing about one devotion, something really close to my heart. Um, we're defining that one thing in our relationship with God that a disciple of Jesus does? What do we look like as disciples if um, our our hearts are for this one devotion for Jesus? In our praying, in our study of the Word, in our worship when we come to church, our, our worship at home, our intimacy with Jesus being the most important thing when it comes to our devotion. And our text this morning, we're going to read from Luke chapter 11, which will come up in a moment behind me from verses 1 to 13. But just a quick summary of this passage before we get into it, before we dive into the Scriptures, into the Word of God. Um, the text just prior to this scripture that we're about to read, we see Mary and Martha encountering Jesus with very different responses to him. You, you may well know it. There's Martha who is serving Jesus. She's busy doing uh, things for Jesus. And then there is Mary who is waiting and she's sitting at the feet of of Jesus. And Jesus very clearly defines that it is Mary who has chosen the good portion, the one thing, he says, that is necessary. And so we go from this scene of Mary and Martha and into Luke 11 immediately, where we see Jesus withdrawing away to pray in a certain place. And the disciples come and they ask him, teach us, Lord, how to pray. And essentially they're saying, show us how to do this. Show us how to be disciples. What does this relationship with God actually look like? And so Jesus invites the disciples into the intimate ways that He connects with God. And He goes through the Lord's Prayer. And He focuses on our relationship with God through our prayer life. And what we bring to that relationship. And He also highlights in this Scripture the gift that we have been given of the Holy Spirit to help us. So let's read from Luke 11, starting at verse 1. And it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them in verse 5, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, This disciples' prayer, this Lord's Prayer reflects an attitude, I think, of dependence on God. That is our foundation of our relationship with God. Our devotion with God comes from this place of dependence and of trust. And Jesus invites the disciples into this approach to prayer that expresses this dependence on God for everything. And commentary by Daryl Box says it expresses a desire for holiness, this prayer, for God's ruling presence, for a life of forgiveness. And it recognises that provision and spiritual protection come from God. And here is reflected the heart of our relationship with God, our one devotion. There is this invitation of discipleship. This is our invitation today as we're talking about this one devotion, our invitation to engage with God in relationship and to grow in God in relationship. You know, I love receiving invitations. I don't know if you're like me, but you don't get them so much in paper form these days. There's a lot of digital invitations going out. But I used to love receiving that invitation in the mail. There's save the date invites now and there's actual date invites. There's invites for weddings and for birthdays and for baby showers and anniversaries and graduations and all sorts of celebrations. But there's something about opening your mail to discover you are invited. We send an invitation to celebrate We send them to honour and to mark milestones in our lives. We make invitations to gather the most important people in our worlds close to us, to share and to experience something together. Invitations are really important. They mean something to the person who is giving them and sending them and they're significant to the person receiving it. When you receive an invitation, you feel included. It's intentional. They have a purpose attached to them and they make a statement about the things that we want to mark as most important to us. You know, I remember when my kids were younger and how excited that they would be to receive that birthday invitation. They would uh, walk from their classroom to the car and I would see them coming towards me and they would have this big heavy bag on their back and they would be almost running with this invitation held in their hand. They wouldn't want to put it in their bag for, for they didn't want it to get destroyed. They wouldn't get to get crumpled or ruined. They wanted to, to, to this was their prized possession that they had received this invitation and as they would hand it to me, I can remember their little faces. They would always be so excited and so so full of joy and so expectant as to what it means for them to receive this invitation. And of course, it would have to take a prized position on our fridge door so that they could see it every time they walked in the room and they could remember that they have been invited. But every day... I've come to learn and to discover that you and I receive these little and big invitations all the time from God. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I don't always reply or respond well. Or sometimes I miss it and sometimes I ignore it. But sometimes when I receive that invitation and I embrace that opportunity and I respond to the invitations of God... There's something so special and so unique and so powerful about what I encounter and God keeps sending them to me. The invitations of God I have discovered are a door to greater intimacy with Him. They're no ordinary invitation. They're not forced upon us. They're not pushed upon us. The relationship with God is real and honest and it comes by this invitation for us to respond to. There's a number of invitations of God that I have encountered in my discipleship walk with God. One of those is to rest. The invitation that God extends for us to come and to rest. And it says in Matthew 11, the words of Jesus himself in verse 28, Come to me all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And you know, that is so relevant for us today, this invitation of God as disciples of Jesus, that we would understand that in Jesus, we can find complete and full rest. Because in our world, there is so much unrest, so much unrest everywhere in people's outward worlds, but also in our inward worlds. This restlessness is in our marriages and in our homes. It's in our jobs and it's in our careers. And the problems that we face are seemingly becoming bigger than we can keep up with. This restlessness is particularly apparent in our relationships and it's primarily due to the restlessness in the human heart and our separation from Christ. And so as we understand what it means to come and rest in God, that we understand how relevant it is in the world that we live in today. This is Jesus' invitation to enter into his rest. Another invitation of God that I have discovered is to be a disciple, to come and be a follower of Jesus. And it says in Mark 1, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Church, we are saved to serve, we are redeemed to reproduce, we are rescued to seek out others who need rescuing. This invitation is not just meant to stop with us. The invitation to discipleship is one of more more and more of a challenging and thrilling privileges on the earth, but we are to partner with God in the redemption of the world to be in a relationship with our Creator, we are invited into intimacy with Christ, not just for ourselves, but so that we would go and make disciples. We must know Christ before we can share Christ. We must know the Word before we can teach the Word. We must follow Jesus before we can call others to follow Him. And this is an invitation of God, that we would be drawn close to Him to be His disciples. And then a third invitation of God is to abide in Christ. Jesus says in John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. This is an invitation to actually dwell with God, to actually experience His manifest presence, which blows my mind that, that, that our God would be so personal in this way, that He would want us to encounter His love, that He would want us to have a tangible uh, evidence of who He is within our lives. And as we abide in Christ, as we respond to this invitation to abide in Christ, He invites us to join in what He is doing. It is a privilege that we get, that we can partner with what God is doing in other people's lives. Every week I am blown away by people entrusting us with this opportunity to stand with them in in, in prayer and to seek God together and to, to minister to each other in this way. It is something that we are getting to be a part of what God is doing within their lives. As we abide in Christ, He reproduces Himself in us. We become more like Christ and the evidence of this brings glory to God. As we abide in Christ, He speaks to us in fresh and profound ways and the very manifest presence of God dwells among us. And you know, this connection, this, this response of the invitation to abide with Christ, it doesn't just go one way. It goes; It's a mutual connection that we get to experience when we abide in Christ. It says He abides in us. As Christ abides in us, we know our true spiritual identity in Christ. Our intimacy with Jesus is what releases this. As Christ abides in us, we have a new spiritual authority. We're refined to be more like Christ and He gives us His authority to greatly impact our cities. As Christ abides in us, we understand our spiritual purpose what is truly important, what we have truly been created for and designed for becomes our highest priority. These are all really cool invitations from God. These are all really amazing and incredible privileges of an invitation that God extends to us. And all these invitations come to us through relationship with Him, to experience His wholeness, His ruling presence, His forgiveness, His rest, His spiritual provision and protection and a whole lot more. One of the most important invitations that you and I will ever receive is to be in this relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, we receive our salvation We receive this message. We hear the Gospel. It is powerful and yet so simple that we have been created by God for His glory, made in the image of God so that we would reflect His glory, so that we would be able to be in relationship with our Creator. But we've all sinned. The truth is we've all fallen short of the glory of God and we each, every single one of us are in need of a Saviour, Jesus Christ. This, our sin is what has separated us from this relationship with God. We all deserve eternal punishment, but God, in His great mercy, He sends His only Son and He provides a way for us to have this relationship with our Creator, with our mighty God, with our powerful God, with our glorious, kind God. This is a free gift to all who trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. And so that is how we can live as a disciple of Jesus. We must never forget that, that the most important relationship we have is our freedom. It is our hope. It is our eternal life. But the problem is that there is a number of things in our world that challenge this lifestyle of discipleship. And our lifestyle itself can sometimes make it difficult for us to continually and consistently choose the priority of this devotion to Jesus. That we need to navigate a lifestyle that that somehow we've we've become uh, people who are positioned in this way, that we are constantly feeling pulled this way and that way from receiving and accepting the invitation of God to rest and to be His disciple and to abide in Christ Self dependence is a big distraction from our devotion to Jesus. To sometimes think that we can do this on our own, we can do it our way. Busyness can be a distraction from us devoting ourselves to Jesus, and laziness in our flesh can sometimes mean that we don't take responsibility for our own walk with Jesus, for our own time to carve that out, to make that a priority, to cast aside the distractions and to make a choice and a decision to sit at Jesus' feet like Mary. This all leads us to this disconnection with God, our Creator, the One who knows us the most, the One who knows us the best. So how do we remedy this disconnected living from our God, from the one that we know is all-knowing and all-powerful and yet loves us more than anybody else can? Well, it gives us uh, uh, some indication here in Luke 11 where we see Jesus. And there's no better example, I think, than to look at who Jesus is and the way that He does this. Jesus shows us a better way. He is our example and we see here in this first part of the text today that he, he had a time, a time that he carved out, an appointment, an early morning time that he, he came and he met with his God, with his Father. He had a place. He, he went and he removed himself to a desolate place where he could be by himself, where he could sit and wait and be still and know that he is God. And he had a lifestyle. He made it a priority that he would do this often. It would be a part of the way that he lived his life, a part of the way that he did what he did. And then he had a pattern and he gives us the Lord's Prayer as a pattern of connecting with God, connecting with who our God is, connecting with what it is that God wills for our lives. And so for us, it's just that simple that we would follow this pattern, we would follow this this example of Jesus Christ, that we would ourselves very simply find a time, that we would be committed to to making sure that in our calendar and in our diaries, we are prioritising this time with our God. And then when we make that time, that we actually keep our appointment, that we are understanding who it is we've made this appointment with, our God, our King, our Creator we would find a place. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant or amazing. It can just be a quiet space that you can find. A place that means that you can to limit your distractions and you can sit in private and you can be quiet and you can hear the whisper. You can hear the still small voice that God often speaks to us in. And that we are consistent in our lifestyle. We make sure that we are committed as devoted followers of Jesus. That we are committed to the consistency of our time with God. And then we find a pattern that works for us. And there are so many ways. I love who our God is because there are so many ways that we connect with who God is. We can do it in nature. We can read the Word of God and we can pray the Word of God. We can talk to God with our voices. We can worship God. We can journal. We can write. There are so many ways that we can find a pattern to connecting and devoting our lives to Christ. So this is a a pattern that we can see in the text. And if it was good enough for Jesus, then I believe it's good enough for you and I. So how do we follow Jesus' example of relationship, the way that he does relationship with his Father? Well, quite simply, we pursue our intimacy with Christ. This is the purest form of discipleship. Our top priority with this one life. All of this, all of life flows from this place, from this kind of practice. There's no denying the fruit that comes from our lives and in our ministries and in our serving and in our calling when we are intimate with Jesus. Nothing can imitate this. Nothing can copy it. Nothing can compare to the heart transformation that takes place in our inner person from the time taken in the presence of God. Intimacy with God is about really knowing who He is. And sometimes in our lives when we get busy or we get distracted or even when we feel lazy in our faith, that we can sometimes forget who our God actually is. And that one of the most amazing things is to be known by God, to know that we are not alone, to know that He loves us. Trust is at the heart of our intimacy with God. That's no small thing. I understand that. But the more that we trust in God, the more intimately we can know Him. God wants intimacy with you and I. The work of the Gospel, all that Christ has done for us, means that there is all that has been done that is necessary for us to be able to have this free, available, loving, open, honest, real living relationship with God. All He wants from us is to trust Him. And believe in him. We don't need to strive. In fact, the Bible says to strive to enter his rest. We don't need to work hard. And I believe that in the areas of my own life where I have felt most tested in my faith, where I have walked through seasons and I have felt the questions coming, or I have wondered about what is going on, God, when I have been in those moments of my life when my faith has been tested, That is in those places that God has invited me to trust him more. Intimacy with God often grows in these places where our trust and faith must expand. They must enlarge within us by the Holy Spirit's help. So, how do we pursue intimacy with Jesus? Well, we take the invitation for intimacy seriously. We, like my children, would covet that invitation. We guard it. We protect it. We declare that it is one of the most important relationships in our lives and we take it seriously. And we read in Luke 11 verses 9 to 13 that it says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find and knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So, here in our taking our intimacy with God seriously, we are invited into this incredible relationship where we are invited to ask and it will be given. We're invited by God, the creator of the universe, to ask for what we need in his name. And as we sit in His presence and as we understand who our God is and we read His Word and it reflects back to us who He's created to be all of a sudden what we ask comes from this place of aligning ourselves with what the Word of God says. And God does not ignore His Word. And so as we ask, we're invited to ask specifically. In our devotion to Jesus, this intimacy gives us this space and this permission, if you like, to be able to say, God, there is something specific I have on my heart that I need you to answer. And I kind of picture like this, this table of, of a feast and there's this long table and God has laid everything out for me, all of his provision and all of his goodness and all of his perfect will for my life. And he invites me to sit and this table is lavish. This table is incredible. There is so many good things to eat. And there's so many good things for me to encounter and experience. And he invites me to this table. And he invites me to sit and to ask for whatever you want. Whatever you need here, you can ask. You know, my son, Zach, is a really good asker. Is that such a thing? He's really good at asking for things. And uh, a couple of years ago, he uh, really wanted to get an Xbox. Now, I got this a little bit wrong in the first service, but we had a Wii. Do you all know what a Wii is? Um, It's not something else. You all know what a Wii is. It's a computer game, just making sure that we're all on the same page. So we already had a Wii and we already had all the games. Well, not all. We had some games. And I never really played it, but my boys were really loved it and they they used to enjoy playing on it but uh because technology changes so much I can't keep up with it but apparently there was this new thing called a playstation no an xbox oh my gosh I got it mixed up again sorry Zach I'm embarrassing you I know (laughs) there was this such a thing as called an xbox right he's gonna have words with me later on (laughs) um and so, this was the new game that um, they put on their wish list for Christmas, put on their wish list for birthday, and I must say, it wasn't just Zach, it was um, our other kids as well, but he was very persistent in asking for this Xbox. And uh, I kind of didn't see the point, because we had this Wii. Um, Dad was a little bit more um, accepting of it, because I think he wanted to play the Xbox as well, let's just be honest. Um but I was like, well, what's the point we have the way? And so it kind of took a little bit longer for me to get on board. But what I saw in my son is this persistence in asking. He knew specifically what he wanted. He researched it. He looked up, you know, how much it would cost. And I think this went on for a couple of years, actually, where he would ask for this Xbox. So I reckon that's pretty persistent. And he would ask for this Xbox to the point where, this is credit to him, that he got to this stage where Who knows that when you're persistent about something, it can sometimes make a pathway for you. (laughs) It can kind of help you navigate your way through this thing that you're trying to be persistent about. It helps you find your way to the goal. And so this happened with Zach. He was persistent and in his persistence, he worked out a way towards getting this Xbox. And he researched and he came up with a strategy and a plan Now, (laughs) this strategy and this plan, I must say, it probably won me over because what he did was he came up with an idea about what he could do with the Wii and all of that. He could sell that. He could get the money for that. He could raise his own money from his birthdays for the last two years because mum wouldn't let him get an Xbox. And he could use that as well as some of what we could contribute. So that actually won me over. Well done, Zach. His persistence won me over. But what I loved about that is that the persistence that he pursued, that he's asking, he didn't give up. He didn't just continue to, you know, hit the same place on the nail. He actually found a different way around it and his persistence made a way possible. So in our persistence, I think we have this opportunity to understand that in our relationship with God, that He invites this kind of asking from us. He says it's okay to be persistent and together we can find a way for this. Because who knows that God can make a way where there seems to be no way another way that we can make our intimacy with God more serious within our lives is to understand that we are invited to seek. It says in the scripture that if you seek, you shall find. Have you ever been on a treasure hunt? Have you ever played hide and seek? And and how exciting it is to sometimes to to be the one who is hidden or the one who is hiding the, the treasure or the lollies or we do an egg hunt every year. But also the one who can go and find, the one who can go and seek and to be able to seek intentionally, maybe sometimes in places that you wouldn't have normally looked, to discover the prize or the treasure. We are called to keep on seeking, whether we find what we want or what God wants us to find, that we would seek anyway. We seek when it's easy to see and we seek when it's not. We seek God for who He is. We seek His face more than we seek His hand. We seek for God to have His way. The Bible says, seek and you shall find me. So we are called to be disciples, devoted to Jesus, who keep on seeking Him. When God manifests His presence, He's inviting us to find Him. The greatest treasure of all. And sometimes for us, we might need a little bit of help in doing that. And I kind of imagine sometimes when I am in a season where um, perhaps things are feeling a little bit harder, that I need to perhaps grab, you know, some different tools in my kit and to be able to search the Scriptures in a different way. Or to seek out somebody else, maybe that I can speak to about my experience or my encounter. Or maybe to pray in a way that I haven't prayed before in order to continue this pursuit of God in my seeking. And then we are invited to knock. It says, Knock and the door will be opened to you. We're invited not just to knock, but we're invited to knock persistently, to not stop. That our persistence in prayer is the evidence of our faith in God. That it actually grows our faith in God. And that God will never give up on knocking on our door, on the heart, on the door of our heart. That, he would, that we would understand that, that He is always there and He is always ready. And that we wouldn't give up in knocking on the door. You know, Corey tells a story that I am going to give you my version of today. And he tells the story of when he was away on a trip one time. It was a a few years ago now. And uh, I was just home with the kids and I think I also had my niece over. So I had four four kids and there was myself. And uh, one Saturday night um, I'd ordered some food because I was just like four kids. I can't be bothered cooking. I'll just order food. So I ordered the food and then the kids were watching a movie or doing something um, in the upstairs area of our house, which is also where our front door was on that level. And then I went downstairs and uh, was doing a few things down there and then I went outside into our backyard to play with our dog because he's very high maintenance and I had to go play with him. So I was out there doing that and uh, meanwhile, while I was outside... So, I couldn't really hear what was going on in the house. While I was outside, someone came to our front door and knocked on the door. So, I don't really know how this escalated. I'm not really sure kind of what happened in the moments um, before I came upstairs. But uh, the kids kind of immediately panicked and didn't answer the door. But they, were, you know, how hey, you go, shh, 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 don't, be, don't talk. Maybe they turn the TV off, turn the TV off. So, they turn the TV off. They're quiet and they waited. This person knocks again. They, they didn't do anything. They just sat there and they're like, but meanwhile, they're kind of whispering to each other and they're starting to imagine that there's somebody out Side the door that wants to get them. And so this person keeps knocking. This person's very persistent, knocks again. They don't come down and get me. They're just kind of working themselves up into this panic and this fear. And uh, until finally, the next thing that this person starts to do is they actually start to try the door handle. And so they're like holding the door handle and they're doing this with the door handle. If you're on the other side of the door, you can see the handle moving like that. Like they started to think horror movie scene and so they're really getting themselves worked up now and my boys will probably tell you it wasn't them it was the girls so that could be true Um, but they're getting really worked up and so one of them comes running downstairs to see me and they're in like heightened mode at this point. So I've I've kind of been completely unaware of this, but my level of anxiety then starts to go up because the kids are telling me that someone's trying to get into the house. You know, they're trying to break into our house. Mum, you have to help us. We're scared. And so I'm a little bit kind of. You know, I'm, at the best of times, I'm like, let me just go and check that out for myself. But um, it just, the way they made it sound was just so full on that I'm like, I have to, obviously, I have to go up and do this on my own. So I walk up the stairs and as I got to the top of the stairs, this person tries the door handle again. Like, that's not normal, is it? When you go to someone's house, you you, you don't try the door handle, you knock on the door or you ring the doorbell. So then I go oh my gosh, someone is trying to break into our house. And before I even think about it, I say, go away or I'll call the cops. And at the moment that those words left my mouth, I remembered I'd ordered my dinner and it was the delivery guy at the door. So I was so embarrassed. It was so quick in that moment. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said it. I said, go away or I'll call the cops. And then the next thing, I'm walking towards the door. So my kids are like, what is she doing? Get away from the door. Um, So I open the door and uh, the delivery guy there is there with my tie for dinner. He's like, dinner? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. You kind of scared my kids. But thank you so much. And and that was it. But... (laughs) It's a good story for Corey to tell. He doesn't tell it quite as nicely as that. But anyway, that's the truth of what actually happened. Um, so, but my point is, <laughs> that that delivery guy, if he had have given up knocking, I would have been hungry that night. I mean, you know, I would have got myself something else, but not as nice as Thai food. <laughs> But he didn't give up. I can't believe he didn't get up, give up, because we just didn't answer the door for so long. And then I'm yelling at him, "Go away!" (laughs) I am a nice person. I won't say that if you come over to my house. I promise. So, but he was not. He did not give up. He was persistent in his knocking. And uh, I I just think it's a great reminder for us in in when we are seeking God, in our one devotion to God, that we would not ever give up in this time to sit at the feet of Jesus and that we would continue to push aside the things that would distract us and the things that would want to come and take over this time with our God and that we would be willing to persist and to not give up. So we're called to ask specifically We are called to seek intentionally. Do you know that there is over 5,000 promises in the Bible? We need to seek them out. We need to seek them and pull them out and, and apply them to our lives and to make sure that we are living according to the Word of God and not to our feelings. And then we are called to knock persistently. You know, the greatest revelation that will sustain your one devotion Is understanding and knowing God as a personal heavenly father. And it says here in verse 11 What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know that we have a good God. He is a kind God. He is a giving God. He is a gracious God. He is our sovereign creator and He is a loving Father. He is both powerful and He is personal. And we can't separate the two of who God is and His nature. Otherwise, we begin to develop a wrong view of who our God is. And that can limit this time that we can sit with Him and we can drink in from His presence and our hunger can be satisfied from Him when we approach God as our powerful and as our loving Heavenly Father, we can expect in faith that He will respond to us. I love this quote that Corey shared last week of CT Stard that my mother-in-law used to say, and I can just picture her saying it as something that she lived by. And it says, Only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Jesus will last. Let's be devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Let's be known for our devotion to Jesus, that with this one life that we have been given, that we would understand that this is what will last for eternity. This one relationship with God that is the most important thing in our world.
0: Thank you for joining us for this message today. It is an incredible privilege to share with you the Word of God and we trust that you've been blessed by listening. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we want to extend an invitation to you to begin the faith journey of following Jesus. The Bible teaches us every one of us have been created for relationship with God. Sin has separated every one of us from that relationship, but God has provided a solution in giving us his son, Jesus Christ. John 3:16 tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You have an opportunity today to respond with a confession of faith and a decision to believe in Jesus. Today, we invite you to make a deliberate decision to invite Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Saviour. Romans 10.10 says that with our hearts, we believe and are justified, and with our mouths, we confess and we are saved. So right now, if you have faith in your heart and you're ready to make that decision, you can simply pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you that through his death and resurrection, I am forgiven of my sin to start a brand new life. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me and to fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Today, I choose you as my Lord and Saviour. And I thank you that I am now born again as a child of God. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to know and we would love to help you in any way that we can. You can contact us on our Bridge Church website, bridgechurch.com, and we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you have been challenged and encouraged.